You guys can turn your Bibles this evening to 1 Timothy chapter number 5. 1 Timothy chapter number 5. I do know that we're not going to finish this thought tonight because my notes developed. You know, a normal message for me is about eight pages, and uh, this one is already 12, and it's not really done. Uh, I just stopped preparing because I was walking through this chapter. Really, the, the title of the message this evening is How to Maintain a Proper Relationships in the Church. How to Maintain Proper Relationships in the Church. And you know, in the church here, there's a lot of different relationships. In the church here, there's a lot of different uh, places of service. And, and, you know, I mean, Joe's the head of security and, and those that serve with him and in that department kind of, you know, Joe's kind of directing that. And, and he takes ideas from them, but ultimately leads that area. And, you know, Brother Don is the head of, head of ushers and, and Brother Taylor works with him. And then all, there's so many people involved in that ministry. And then the music ministry, there's so many people involved in the music ministry. And everybody is at different levels of skill and ability as well as uh, willingness uh, to do different things. And, and we're all working together. Amen. And so we have those relationships that, that develop. And some uh, people are just naturally, your heart gets knit with them. Uh, you just find right off the bat that, man, I just enjoy this person, that our, our hearts are knit, and, uh, you know, we have many of the same interests or, or common bond in, in this area or that. And, and then there's others that you, you love them as a brother in Christ, but you, you don't have cause to spend much time together, haven't maybe got to know them or whatever it might be, but you have a, a different relationship with them than you have with this person. And we want to maintain right relationships in the church all the time. Paul is addressing this as he's dealing with those that had probably developed some some different issues or conflicts or problems inside the church, which is a possibility. Anytime you get a group of people together with so many different, uh, coming from different places and nationalities and and different uh, jobs and different skill levels and and different economic uh, situations, there's bound to be some levels of conflict, right? Uh, you, you know, you get together and there's going to be some conflict. There's going to be some little things here and there, personality differences and, and, and so on. And we want to work together and make sure that we uh, have mercy with each other and that we have the, the right relationships. Now, Paul is not just addressing kids. We, of course, know that young people have conflict with one another. But we as adults need to not only guide them in the proper way to deal with others, but hey... We need to be the example unto them. And it's pretty sad that sometimes, and I praise God, to my knowledge, there is no problem in the church. There is no conflict. There's nobody in the church that, to my knowledge, will not talk to Miss Trudy. There's nobody that, that has got it in their head that Galena's against them. And they're, they're just trying to avoid Galena. Now, there are a bunch of people that don't like Brother Hunt, but, but we can pray for them. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's nobody, in there. I, I, as far as I know, there's no problems. And I praise God for that. But this is, this is preventive maintenance, amen, that we want to just make sure we keep and maintain a right spirit and a right relationship. And, and kids, uh, it, it, what I was getting to is say, it's sad that sometimes in churches you have people that are coming and attending the same church. And, man, if they, if they accidentally got seated at the same table together, there would be World War III. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, they will not cross over on that side of the aisle because that person's on that side of the aisle. And there's no place for that in the family of God. 
there's really no place for that in the family of God. If, if your heart is in that place, you need to get right with God. You need to uh, get that fixed and, and realize that we're all just sinners saved by grace, you know. Uh, to say anything uh, about somebody else, uh, you know, one, one guy in Lawrence, Kansas, an old, old sinner that just praised God for saving him out of the bar scene and all that. He, you know, he was a DJ and he, he was a mess. And I'm not talking about Andy Stalmer now. This is another guy. But he, he, he used to say, hey, it's just another piece of dirt calling me a piece of dirt. And he's like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, he's like, we all just came from dirt, going back to dirt. I mean, God's in control. And, and you know, it's, it's all right with me. Call me whatever you want. I'm just a pile of dirt, you know. And I, I don't know if it's D.L. Moody or somebody who said, you know, how can a pile of dirt get, get offended? You know, you can't get offended. You just realize who you are. But we want to have a right relationship. So we'll see how far we get. First of all, I want you to see that it is typified or pictured as a family relationship. The church family, we call it that, but it is supposed to be that way. And I want you to hear the terminology uh, given to us here in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. And the younger men... As brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all purity. So we have this family relationship. And then this chapter, as I'm dealing with this idea of maintaining proper relationships in the church... Uh, I see three relationships described here. The second is the faithful responsibility that we have. And there's a responsibility described in verses 3 through 16 of taking care of the widows. And that in itself is a pretty good study, just going verse by verse through this. And then you conclude the chapter uh, with 17 through 25, talking about the responsibility with, with leadership or with the uh, pastor, with the uh, leaders in the church. And it talks about that. that. And so um, I, don't, no, I don't think we'll get much past this first point here tonight. Uh, but the family relationship, this idea that it's supposed to be like a family. We talk about it. We mention it. We say, hey, we're the family of God. And uh, we're thankful that we, we have a family atmosphere. And those words and terms get thrown around, but I hope that you really believe that. I hope you really do look at your uh, church family as your family. There are, there are folks in our church, like the Mills, who aren't here tonight because of uh, Tiffany, but, you know, they, their church family is their family. Why? Because a lot of their family doesn't even understand or, or know why they're doing what they're doing. It doesn't make sense. They, they say, why do you go to church? Why, why is this so important to you? I mean, why don't you go to the bar anymore? Why don't you do this or do that? And they have to explain the importance of it and realizing that their close friends, the people that they would call family, are people in this room. And it's not just them alone. We could use t- different testimonies of people in this room that your family would be the, the family of God. And I hope that we maintain and keep that type of personality and, and, and flavor and spirit about our church. Paul suggests uh, that that's how we're supposed to treat each other as a family. They're your brothers. They're your sisters. Not, not your enemy. Not your rival. But a brother or sister. As I pondered about this, I, I think one of the reasons we have such a struggle today, even in the church, is that our actual families are so dysfunctional that you can't say treat him like you treat your sister. You can't tell uh, somebody, hey, just treat him like you treat your own brother. 
Or even, why don't you treat him like you treat your own mother? Sadly, how they're treating their own mother, you shouldn't treat a dog that way. So there is uh, uh, the family relationship, but it ought to be a right family. It ought to be a family that has the right type of spirit and atmosphere. And first of all, he says here, he, he gives us the, the elder men. Those men that were older, according to some Bible scholars, elder men would be anyone over 50. Hallelujah, I'm not there yet. Um, so anyone over 50, that, that would qualify as elder men. Uh, that is mature men that have experienced some of life. Now that's not that old today, amen? 50 is not that old. But if you go back into the Bible times, that could have very well been very close to uh, their overall life expectancy. You know, even in, in the world today, there are some nations where if you live to 50, I mean, you have lived a long life. Their life expectancy is, is much, there's places where it's much, much younger than 50. And uh, we've been blessed in this country to have uh, so many amenities that make our life easier, as well as advanced health care and medical systems that, that help us prolong life. And so 50 is... You know, I don't know, I'm not going to throw out a number, but, you know, it's, you're young, amen? And I'm glad, because I'm just a couple of years from, from that. But uh, that's what he would have been talking about. He says, hey, these elder men. Now, the, I, I looked today and saw some advantages of being over 50, okay? In a hostage situation, you're likely to be released first. <laughs> um uh, if you're over 50, no one is expecting you to run into that burning building. So there's some advantages. Uh, discounts at the stores, amen. <laughs> Get some discounts at the, at the different, you know, hotel chains and all that. So um, one guy said, you know what, being over 50, there's nothing left to learn the hard way. <laughs> nothing left to learn the hard way. You guys that are there, I have to tell me. I'm not, I don't know, but... Uh, here's a plus, things that you buy probably won't wear out before you don't need them. (laughs) Uh, Another one, your secrets are safe because your friends don't remember them either. So some advantages of being over 50, but what Paul is talking to Timothy about here is the idea of how you treat these older men. He says, hey, don't, don't rebuke them, but entreat them. Entreat is to call near, to invite, to exhort. Now, if you recall, on Sunday we were talking about that idea of exhorting. That exhorting is to exhort, to encourage to good works, to to come alongside, to encourage them. So Paul says, hey, don't rebuke the elder men in your church. You know, some young pastors could do well to read this passage of Scripture. He says, entreat them. It is treat them with a little bit of respect and acknowledgement of who they are and what they've been through. A church or a pastor is literally robbing themselves of a great blessing when they take for granted or neglect the elder men of their congregation. I know sometimes older men can be cantankerous. I've met a couple. There's none in our church, amen. <laughs> But they can get that way. You know, they get kind of set in their ways. And, but they're to be treated like a father, with affection, with respect, with honor. One caregiver 
from what I read about this, is a uh, caregiver found in the miscellaneous papers of an older man that she was caring for this poem. The title of the poem was The Cranky Old Man. And it reads like this. What do you see, nurse? What do you see? What are you thinking when you look at me? A cranky old man, not very wise, uncertain of habit, with faraway eyes, who dribbles his food and makes no reply. When you say in your loud voice, I do wish you would try, who seems not to notice the things that you do and forever is losing his sock or a shoe, who, resisting or not, lets you do as you will with bathing and feeding the long day fill. Is that what you're thinking? Is that what you say? See, then open your eyes, nurse, for you're not looking at me. I'll tell you who I am. I sit here so still, as I do at your bidding, as I eat at your will. I'm a small child of ten, with a father and a mother, a brother and a sister, who love one another. A boy of sixteen, with wings on his feet, dreaming that soon now a lover he'll meet. A groom, soon at twenty, with my heart gives a leap, remembering the vows that I promised to keep. At twenty-five now I have young of my own, who need me to guide and secure for them a happy home. A man of thirty, my young, now growing fast, bound to each other with ties that should last. At forty my young sons have grown and are gone, but my woman is beside me to see that I don't mourn. At fifty once more, babies play around my knees. Again, we know children, my love, one in me. Dark days are upon me, why my wife is now dead. I look at the future and I shrug with dread. For my young are all rearing, young of their own. And I think of the years, the love that they've known. I'm now an old man and nature is cruel. It jests to make an old man look like a fool. The body, it crumbles. Grace and vigor depart. There is now a stone where once I had a heart. But inside that old carcass, a young man still dwells. And now and again, my battered heart swells. I remember the joys. I remember the pain. And I'm living and loving life all over again. I think of the years, all too few, gone too fast, and accept the stark fact that nothing will last. So open your eyes, open and see, not a cranky old man, look a little closer, and you'll see me. What I'm saying is, the older men of our church have experienced a lot. They've been through life. and Sometimes the young get a little ambitious and maybe get the mindset that we don't need the older men, but we do. 
They bring stability to a church. It is vitally important that we treat them with respect. By the way, let me say, teach your kids to treat them with respect. Teach your kids to acknowledge the adults. Be sure that they're not running past and underfoot of, of, I mean, all the older people, they enjoy kids. But not when they're screaming and running and going to trip them. You know, so just teach them to respect those older men and talk to them about how important it is that they look out for them. These older men should be sought out for their wisdom. Leviticus 19.32 says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God, I am the Lord. He says, hey, you need to honor him. Honor him. Sometimes one who has lived a long time he gets a little set in his ways. Gets to the place where he doesn't want to have any change. Doesn't think any newfangled gadgets are, uh, are, are worth, you know, doing. Uh, you know, depending upon their history and where they're at, they, they have a lot of different mindsets and things get set, you know, and this is how things should be. I recall some years ago, uh, I felt like we needed to change the carpet in the foyer. Uh, we definitely need to change it now. But some years ago, I saw that as a need. And I brought it up in the deacon's meeting. And uh, Brother Wayne has gone on to be with the Lord now. But he looked and he says, I don't think we need to do that. He didn't want us to spend the money on carpet. So we didn't do it. Okay, we'll, we'll wait. Uh, you know, but just giving some deference. I could have said, bless God, I'm the pastor around here and, 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 and we're going to do this. And No, God put wise men here to help guide. And I, I don't know what all motivation was, but he just said, you know, I don't think we should do it. And I said, okay, we won't do it. So we, we didn't do that. We need to seek out these older men and, and take advice from them, learn from them. But I want you to think about this, older men. That Paul says here, don't rebuke them, but entreat them. What Paul is saying is that you're not always right. That there's sometimes when a brother or sister or you know, a young man might need to come and say, hey, I think this would be a good idea. Why don't we do this? Why don't, we, why don't you do that or whatever? So you, sometimes you need to allow somebody to entreat you. And hopefully they do so with respect, but just consider that, how to maintain a proper relationship. Then I want you to see he talks about the younger man. <clears throat> the younger men of the church are our strength. They have the energy and the vitality to work. Amen? Romans 15 verses 1 or 2 says, When they that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. When they are strong, you know, the young men of the church, they need to be bearing the yoke in their youth. They need to be doing the work of the ministry. They need to be out. And, you know, you say, well, I'm young at heart. Amen. Get it. Get involved. Get busy. Let's do let's do the work of the ministry. You know, young men ought to be here at work party. Young men ought to be here doing the job, helping accomplish the work of the ministry, getting whatever needs to be done. And, uh, you know, our work parties here aren't too labor intensive. 
But we got to maintain the property. There's a lot of details, little things that it takes to keep the church looking good. And uh, I appreciate those that come and, and, and we feed you. I mean, come on now. Uh, give you dinner. And we have a good time. We have fellowship. And uh, come when you can. But the young, uh, listen, young men in the church, not a lot of young men in here tonight. You ought to be in church. But you ought to be serving and working. You ought to be part of the ministry. Where, where, what load are you carrying as a young man in the church? As somebody that still has energy, can I tell you something? It'll never be easier than it is right now. And you can right now say, man, I, you know, I've got little kids. You think it's going to get easier when they get bigger? No, it's not going to get easier. It's just get, now they've got more responsibilities. Now there's more stuff you've got to haul around. Now it's more things that you're dealing with. And you've got, you got one kid or two kids. And, and man, I've got two kids. You think it's going to get easier when you have three? No. So all of a sudden you're going to say, well, I'm not going to, I'll wait till the kids are out of the house to serve God. No, it's never going to get easier. There's always going to be something. Just last week, last Thursday night, I stood in this aisle back here. And Brother Joseph, whose wife is dealing with this heart issue, he looked at me and he said, Pastor Caleb, you have got to serve God while you have the strength to do it. Because the day is going to come when in your heart you want to do for God, but your body will not let you. Your body says no. The restrictions that are imposed upon you because physically you are unable. There are many people that would like to be here for our evening services. But especially this time of year when it's dark, their eyes, they can't drive here. And so they have to either find a ride, right, Brother Crane? <laughs> you got to find a ride or, or, or something else because of, of limitations. It's not, not that there's no desire. It's the desire's there, but there's physical limitations that are on you. I was talking to one of the older ladies in our church this week. She says, I want to serve. I want to be involved. And I said, amen, we want you to be involved. Here, what, what can you do? Can you do this? Can you do this? And I was listing off a few things, you know, and she's like, well, you don't know who it is, so it doesn't matter. She's like, I'm 84 years old, and my body won't let me do a lot of those things. I said, that's okay. We'll find something you can do. We'll find a place where you can, where you can get involved. But here we got 84-year-old ladies that want to serve in the church, and we got young men that are staying home. The young men are supposed to be now bearing this yoke in their youth. They should be carrying the weight. Older men have the wisdom, the maturity, the stability. But young men should have the should be working. We're able to work. Young men have a lot to contribute. They've got that strength and that energy. What do they say about? What is it that's wasted on the youth? Is it strength or is it, or is it vitality or whatever? Energy is wasted on the youth? I, I don't know. Uh, that's a very common saying that I can't think of right now. But, you know, the idea is that, man, if, if you know, if some of the older men had the, the, the wisdom that they have and the energy of the youth, what they could accomplish, you know. So young men, take advantage of it. Seek some wisdom from these older men and be willing to carry the yoke. Now, as we are not to rebuke the older men, there's no such caution given here to the younger men. So I was kind of heartily exhorting you to, uh, to get involved. Uh, 
It's true that young men might need some direction. It's true that sometimes, you know, young men, because of lack of wisdom, they run off, you know, half-cocked or, you know, don't prepare or, or maybe don't think something all the way through. And that happens. That's why we have the older men to help. And then the younger men to do the work. Amen? And he says, if you're going to correct them, if you're going to rebuke them, he says to do it like a brother. He says, not with an air of superiority, not with contempt, but with respect. Like you would a brother. With consideration. And then he talks here about some older women, that relationship we have here. The elder women uh, uh, were to treat as mothers. The young, younger as sisters with all purity. Now, as you treat the older women as you would your own mother, just think about how valuable our mothers are to us. Consider what a mother brings to a home. I can't imagine what my kids would have had to grow up with if they didn't have mom. I mean, just, just me. How deficient our home would have been. How, how many areas I, I am lacking. And Mary is the complement and the completion to bring up those things. But I just put down a few things that a mother brings. And we're talking about the family of God and those ladies that are older, part of the church. They, they bring that spirit of love, warmth, tenderness, protection, kindness, guidance, giving. I mean, who is more giving than a mother? Affection, compassion. To this day, my kids call Mary first. Regardless of what the problem is, they call her first. And then she'll say usually, well, you need to call your dad and talk to him about that. Uh, Because they know that with her, they're going to have a sympathetic ear. No matter what, she is going to be on their side. Now, dad, he might have a different view. He might not necessarily take their side I, I might be a little more, uh, and so they're going to call her first. But I praise God that they call her. Nourishment, concern, perseverance, instruction, an understanding spirit. What a marvelous gift God has given the church with the older ladies that are part of our church. We need to value them. We need to appreciate them. Treat them with love and respect like you would your mother. What they bring to a church is immeasurable. A lot of times you might think about it and say, oh, well, what does she do? She's one of the older ladies of our church, and her contribution is immeasurable, valuable. That spirit that a mother has, bringing that in and showing that concern and that compassion, and we need to recognize it. Proverbs 6, verse number 20 says, My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Leviticus 19.3 says, Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. So how should you treat them? You should treat them like you treat your mother. Proverbs 23.22 says, Hearken unto thy father that beget thee and despise not thy mother when she is old. So we shouldn't despise them, but love them and respect them. Treat them with gratitude Thankfulness for their sacrifice. 
thankfulness for all that they've done through all the years. Sometimes, we, I mean, we have people like Mrs. Crane, been part of this church since the beginning. Faithfully part of the church. Okay, is she going to be working up in the tool room? No. It's not, it's not her place. But just being who she is and being here, she's doing a lot. And we're grateful for the older ladies that, are, that come here and call this their church home. And what they bring to the church is immeasurable. We're to treat them with tenderness. Be careful what you put on them, how hard you are on them, what you ask of them. You know, a mother spirit, they're going to want to get it done. They're going to try and find a way. But you've got to be careful. Don't put too much on them. Try and protect them. You should look out for them. You know, over Christmas, Andrew was out. He was somewhere with my wife. And there was somebody, a guy, being a little too friendly with his mother. And Andrew was telling me about it later that night. And it was funny to see, you know, the hair on the back of his neck rise up. And, and, and he's like, Dad, he's like, I was getting madder and madder. He's like, I, I was about, I mean, if he took, you know, he said he was encroaching. He kept, like, getting into her space, you know, and, and getting into where it was uncomfortable, like a little too close. He said, if he took one more step, I was going to step in there and say, you aren't getting that close to my mom. <laughs> You know, he just was just stirring up in him just that protective spirit, like, that's my mom, and you aren't going to do that. We ought to be that way for the older ladies in our church. You aren't going to treat that lady that way. She's one of the precious jewels of this church. Protection. Then we see the younger women were to treat as sisters. That's with love and respect. Notice he says, with all purity. I think there's a lot of wisdom there. We're to treat them with respect, not with romance. You need to keep your relationships pure. There's no, there's no place in the church for immorality. He says here very clearly, obviously, this, this is a, a place that you can be opened up to create problems. He says, listen, treat him as a sister with all purity. Keeping things right. Matthew uh, 5.8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We have to guard against our, uh, the waywardness of our hearts and allow our relationships to be right. Matthew 5.28 says, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Listen, if you've had any wrong thoughts in your heart or mind towards any woman in the church, you need to confess that and get it right with God. You need to confess it for the sin it is. You say, oh, I would never do anything about it. Listen, it starts with the thought. Satan plants that seed and you begin to ponder and think about it. And you say, oh, I would never really do it. I just enjoy the attention. Oh, I just enjoy the, the, the camaraderie we have. I just enjoy the conversations that we have. Listen, you're opening the door. Satan's working his way in. You realize the damage that that can and will do to a church? The hurt to the cause of Christ, the destruction it does to the family when that's allowed in? 
He says, treat him as a sister with all purity. How much time are you spending with somebody of the opposite gender? How much communication do you have? I'm saying you might need to put up some guards. If you find that you really enjoy spending time with and talking to another young lady in the church, and if we're using the same qualifications here, that's under 50, then you might need to put up some guards. You say, well, nothing's going to come of it. I mean, we're just, we just like spending time together. Hello? There's a warning. How comfortable are you together? How, let me ask you this. How casual has your relationship gotten? You find it real easy to joke with one another? Occasionally touch? Not in intimacy, but just, you know, just touching. Just, you know, joking and, and slapping each other on the back. You're opening the door. You may in your heart and mind have everything pure right now. But I'm saying if you don't put up some guards, you're opening the door for great problems. Now let me encourage you ladies. He says, you know, with the same idea, if you've got to comp- uh, correct them, do it with compassion, right? So let me encourage the young ladies. You can help with this a little bit. You guard the relationship as well. Be sure you're not allowing a relationship to get too far. Let me encourage you to be careful how you dress. Have respect for your body. Have respect for your body. Don't dress. I know you want to be attractive. And I think that's wonderful. Your, your mate or your future mate or whatever wherever you're at, wants you to be attractive to. But you know, there's, there's a fine line where you cross over from attractive to seductive. And you got to be careful. Can I tell you that pretty much all of the modern styles are seductive? The, the sheer material that's see-through? And you say, oh, well... I'm wearing a nude colored slip underneath so it's modest. No, you see, that sheer material is designed to cultivate the imagination of a man. Wearing things that are too tight, too low. Have you ever seen a lady do something like this? Hello, my eyes are up here. Now, I agree that men need to watch where their eyes are going. But if you weren't exposing it, they wouldn't be looking at it. And I know that's not very popular today. People are, people want to get on the man and say, you know, oh, those dirty men, they shouldn't be looking. And, and yet, ladies feel like they can just dress however they want. I'm trying to get you to respect your body. Listen, I know you. I have girls. 
I know they want to be attractive. They want to be appealing. They want people to look and say that they're, they're a beautiful young lady. But we've got to be careful that we don't cross over into that worldly mindset that it's seductive. And you can go a long ways to really help that. Inside the church, we've got to be very cautious that we keep it. He says here, treat them like sisters. That is pure. And older women, you can help with this. Titus 3, 2, 3, and 5 says that the aged women are to teach the younger women. To help them. To know how to live and act. So let me encourage you, older ladies, to help, help some of the younger ladies realize what's most important 